Man, the Greek freak shows KD what an unguardable player looks like. James Harden looks to step up in Joel Embiid's absence. And Draymond Green gets a flagrant for slapping Brandon Clark in the balls. His eyeballs. I'm Rosa Panza. This is the Clinic <laughs> All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good. Feeling great. Entourage edition. We're going to go Eric or Vince. Oh, interesting. John, how you living, my friend? I'm living great. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to go with E. Oh, there you go. Sammy, who are you going with? What it do? Uh, I am also going with E, and to me, this is not wow. a tough one. I don't think this is even close. Really? I'm on me all day on this one. Oh, crazy. The brains of the operation. RJ, I need your take on this, man. You go Vince or E? I'm going to go Vince. He seems like a good guy. I like it, dude. I like it. JJ. I love E because he got Sloan, but Vince (laughs) takes care of his boys, and that's my dream to take care of you guys when I make it. Yeah, man. That's where I'm going with, too. I'm going with Vince as well. But anyway, guys, we have some round two games to talk about here. The Golden State Warriors steal a win in Memphis, 117-116. It was an absolutely crazy game. Klay Thompson was missing free throws late, but then makes a defensive stand against John Morant. And that's not even the big story. The big story here is that in the second quarter, Draymond Green gets a flagrant two. Okay, basically, Clark was trying to go up for a layup underneath the basket. He rakes him across the face and then pulls his jersey down. Oh my! Everyone seemed to weigh in on this, especially like on Twitter. There were people like Donovan Mitchell saying flagrant two with like five question marks. Dion Waiters saying this is soft. It's bad for the game. What do you guys think of this flagrant two call against Draymond Green? Wait, Dion Waiters is still somebody he's he's actually tweet- <laughs> we're actually talking about his tweets we i mean i i, I can talk about miles bridges well no i had no idea that. this is big I, for I this thought, game i thought you might have mistaken him for somebody else oh Raider, my bad, my bad. Yeah. former laker though former laker <laughs> what do you guys think i'll let you guys go first i think I reputation played into this for sure as part of it yeah um, for sure i think you could justify the flagrant one i do think the two is extreme it almost felt like they figured, okay, one act is a flagrant one. The other act could be a flagrant one. Let's add them together and get a flagrant two and just call it a game. Ah, uh, interesting. It, it was over the top. I think if he was not Draymond Green, like if Clay did it, it would have been a one. That that was my initial thought after watching it. Yeah, and I have a problem with that because it shouldn't it shouldn't be like that. The reputation precedes, you know, the call, and so. I mean, in terms of it being a flagrant two, I disagree. I think all of us would. We're all old school. I know JJ absolutely disagrees with it for multiple reasons, right? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, You know, like I'm kind of speechless right now because the fact that our host even had to start the pod with the ejection takes away the importance of the game. It kind of irritates me because we're all basketball advocates here. And we've talked about how refs should help monitor the game and not control the game. We always hate blaming the refs and how they could influence the outcome. 
Right. Yesterday's game was just ridiculous on all levels. It was Hated. terrible in all levels in terms of officiating. And the fact that we started off this pod with the ejection and how the refs played a part in that makes me disgusted on this <laughs> pod. Absolutely disgusted. Yeah. Repulsed. I'm, I'm with you Look too. Look at his face. And like thinking about like Draymond Green having, I guess, I guess you have like four flagrant points until you get suspended for a game, and Draymond Green is already halfway there in the second round. Does not bode well for Golden State fans. Just thinking back, you know, to the times of him getting, you know, suspended for a game during right. a finals game. And let's just move on from that. The fact Please. is that the Warriors won this game without Draymond Green for a lot of this game. And it seems like Jordan Poole has arrived, right? I think this was like everyone's big introduction to Jordan Poole against a real Memphis team, 31, eight and nine. Like, do you guys feel like Jordan Poole is almost like, almost putting his foot in saying like, I am the future of the Warriors or it's like pump the brakes, like Steph Curry is still that dude. Steph Curry is still that dude. But Steph Curry showed how he's a leader by wanting to come off the bench during the Nuggets series, which provided a good kind of stepping stone for Jordan Poole to look at Steve Kerr and Curry and say like, all right, I can't really complain because the number one on our team is willing to come off the bench. I got to come off the bench. And that's the first step of becoming a great player is becoming a great leader, leading by example. Jordan Poole took that role coming off the bench and he totally tore it up. He was in fact competing with Jaws playing the game. Jaws had an incredible game, but Jordan Poole was up there. So good passes, great shots. Yeah. And he even had some defensive, you know, plays during the stretch of the uh, last stretch of the game, which, you know, shows his improvement overall. How did, so I don't follow the Warrior games as closely as you guys do. How did Jordan Poole perform throughout the season? And maybe, well, not in the playoffs, but how did he perform without Steph there? Do you guys recall, like on, on average, did he perform well? Did he struggle? I want to ask you a bunch of questions. You know, to, to me, I think he did okay. But during the playoffs, it seems like he's taken like a whole nother step. Like he's, he's definitely leveled up. And he's responsible for a lot more. I mean, these are really important, like big games too. So to see him like perform like this is like, I'm almost speechless too, like talking about Jordan Poole because I did not expect this from him. I don't think a lot of us expected like this sort of jump because it almost seems like right now he might cause the biggest problems for Memphis than like Steph Curry sometimes. Am I, am I crazy to say that? Is anyone gonna? Yes, sir. Uh, not you're, you're definitely crazy. You're definitely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's blasphemous. I don't know, man. Like off the dribble, like attacking the basket. Some of those passes he was making, like he was causing problems. But that might be because Steph Curry was also, like, garnishing like a lot of a lot of attention. Yeah, he gets a lot of attention. Right. And 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 I'll let Sammy no, go touch up on this because you haven't talked yet. But I'll, I'll quickly say this. Jordan Poole has been playing incredible. I won't want to take away anything from him, but I, I won't go as far to say that he is the future because if we've learned anything from past stars, 
or second player, best players, or third best players is that they perform well when they're playing with legendary players. And Steph Curry is that. Kyrie was true so much better with LeBron James. And then he leaves and he clearly is struggling a lot more than he was with LeBron. So it, it's a little premature to say that Jordan Poole is the future. I mean, if he That's does fair. this when Steph is gone and the Warriors are still, you know, competing, then I then you could talk. But it, it's a little early for me. Shut up! I, I do agree with that in a sense. To go and take a different angle on it, though, with a player like Poole, who clearly functions best when he's getting a lot of shots, has the ball in his hand, I think it speaks to both his versatility to be able to kind of slide in with both of those guys there, not necessarily take over the game from like needing to play his style, but still go off for 31 points in this game. And it also speaks to the culture there between Curry, Clay, all of those guys to let this largely unproven player come in game one of the conference semis and have as many shots as they both did. That's not going to happen in every locker room. That speaks to the trust that they have in the system and in each other. So I give them respect for that too. I do think Poole in some respects did show us a little something with Curry out. He played with both Curry and Clay out at different times this year. Obviously the playoffs is a very different animal, but mm-hmm. I just, from the versatility perspective, what they're able to do with him there, or even go into lineups where they'll say, let's start Gary Payton for defensive purposes. And we've had Curry, the best shooter of all time off the bench for some of these. Now in this game, we have the uncrowned most improved player (laughs) off the bench for those. And to be able to pull out this kind of firepower, it's, it's such an X factor that I don't think any of us were talking about. And no one really was when we came into the playoffs of them having this version of this element that Maybe we knew who Poole was and what he was capable of, but the way they function together, I didn't see a lot of discussion about it. Do you yep. guys think that Poole's confidence, at least to me, is the most, the biggest compliment I can give him? Because if you're going to try to build around a player, an alpha, you need that type of irrational confidence to take shots when people say don't take them or mm-hmm. to yeah. do things on the court when people say don't do that and I think Poole has that so true he very well has some capabilities of being able maybe being able to be the one someday who knows and you know I, I want to give um the Memphis Grizzlies some some hope a little bit of hope here I mean Dylan Brooks only had eight points also Desmond Bain only had nine points I expected those two to actually perform a lot better than they did this game and they only really lost by one point, right? It was it was absolutely a nail biter all the way until the end. Do you guys me, feel like? Go go ahead, go ahead. Let me counter that because Ooh, I respect mad. the Grizzlies very much so because they match well with the Warriors. But you had Draymond out, the True. the quarterback of the team and a defensive anchor. You had Steph in foul trouble. You had Clay with an off yep. shooting night and missing two free throws. And you played at home. Boom, Shakalaka! You so gotta Mem- win that. So you Memphis Grizzlies fans, JJ saying that hope, all hope is lost. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. You're gonna, you're gonna go into, you're going against an experienced yeah. championship DNA team in the Warriors. And they basically handed you 
this game. And right. including the last 30 seconds, they had four opportunities to grab the rebound and they had Gary Payton Jr. trying to snatch that ball out of their hands for the best re best rebounded rebounding team in the league in the Grizzlies. Yeah. That's inexcusable. But <laughs> Who wants to argue with that? Yeah, and, I don't and Clay argue. Thompson isn't going to miss two free throws in a row very often. So we, I, I we did a lot of things to give away that that game. Yes, I don't want to argue. I just want to tell the Grizzly fans and any viewers right now that you can direct all pleasantries and nicely worded emails to jj at gmail dot com. <laughs> send me send me a, a gif or gif right of John Morant doing the gritty. I know, right? This sets up wonderfully for my next question. Does this series go the distance? Are we going to see seven games of Ja versus Steph? What do you guys this think? Is, this I, is I guess we can start with JJ. We can start with JJ. Yeah, start with JJ. Start with JJ. What do you think? Because he's going to say sweep. Okay, I don't want to get it twisted that I'm not disrespecting the Grizzlies and their fan base, but that was a game that they should have won, first and foremost. Tomorrow is a must win. If they go down 2-0 and then they go back to SF... You lose! With, you know, yeah. arguably that it used to be one of the best fan base crowds for home games. I don't know about now, being that they're at San Francisco, but that is not... A, a task that is promising so must win tomorrow i'm expecting the series to go seven but it all depends what we see tomorrow kind of a cop-out answer but i'm being honest oh okay what do you think john yeah it's going at least six um actually you know what i think the warriors are going to win in six wow 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 sammy i i agree with that i think I think the Warriors close this at home. I don't know if if a young Memphis team, as good as they are, can walk into that arena against that team in the playoffs and beat them there. And if that that's you, I that's my full stop. I just don't think they're going to win in San Francisco. Ro, yeah. What do you think? Man, I I want to say six, but. Something's telling me that it might go seven. I mean, we've seen crazy things from this Memphis team, and I know that there are times where they could really give us problems. Game two is probably going to tell us a lot more, like JJ is going to say, but I'm going to say with game one, the way that it felt, I'm going to say six games. Six games, Warriors take it. But, you know, we're going to take a short break with a word from our sponsor. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now with our next game here, we had the Milwaukee Bucks take down the Boston Celtics 101 to 89 that score looks a lot closer than it really was because the Bucks mm -hmm. had this game in absolute control without Middleton and I just have to ask this question a lot of us were on the Boston Celtic train okay we are all very excited 
that they swept the Brooklyn Nets. Did we overreact to Boston sweeping the Nets? Not yet. I don't think so because I'm just looking at the numbers from this game and Boston shot 33% for the game. Milwaukee has a solid defense, but they're not going to hold Boston to 33% every game. And from that perspective, I do think they were obviously had no shot. The You're right, the score was closer than it was. But Tatum going 6 of 18 again. Jalen Brown was terrible in this game. Smart went 3 of 11. The only thing I would say as a caveat to that is Smart is questionable for game two. So injuries could obviously completely hmm. tied the flow of this, but I cannot imagine this Boston team as bad as they looked in game one. But you guys tell me, am I wrong? Yeah! You're wrong. Yes, okay, you're no. wrong. Well, tell me yeah, what yeah. <laughs> you're I think, I think you might be wrong. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Well, you're entitled to your no, opinion. I'm a little bit with you. I'm a little bit with you, Sammy. I'm a little with you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let me say what I agree with. It's only one thing. That the Bucks are not going to hold the Celtics to 33% every game. 33% is pretty bad. But they're going to limit Boston's field goal percentage significantly, I think. So back to Rose's question. Did we overreact? N no. Hell no. But I think that we didn't really pinpoint the reason for their dominance, which is a miss the, the matchup. The Nets are mm. small. They are not physical. And Boston ate them alive because of it. The Bucks are mm. completely different. Fair. Their championship pedigree, their physicality, Brooke Lopez and Giannis are unstoppable. Yes. Boston has no answer for them. They have no size. Robert Williams, Daniel Theis, Tice, whoever, they could bring Danny Ainge back from the 80s, and I'm pretty sure that they would still get manhandled. <laughs> so, and uh, listen, I know I'm a Boston hater, but from what I saw in game one, the Bucks just completely dominated them, and this is without Chris Middleton. Now, I do think the Celtics are going to win. They're going to win some games, but I think the Bucks are going to take this series in six at the, at the most. Do you guys agree with my assessment? You have to disagree with Sammy for sure. <laughs> I'm kidding, Sammy. Like, even though both of you stated that the Celtics won't shoot, what was it? Like about 30%? 33%? 33%? Yeah. Giannis had a bad night and he was still dominant. It didn't, it didn't look like it. It didn't yeah, look like yeah. a bad night. Yeah. Nine, nine, no. nine for 25 and five turnovers and this dude was all over the place defensively and on offense. So he still had his stamp on the game, even though he could, could we all know he's capable of. And yeah, like what John was saying, the physicality is on a whole different level compared to the Nets. Uh, you have coach Bud. I mean, I'm eating my words, but <laughs> yeah, who, me who too. Thought? He's like, hey, let's play Portis, Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Maybe with, splashing Connaughton in there. Yeah. yeah. They dominated the Celtics like ridiculously. So yeah. I'm yeah. It's almost like it's almost like the Bucks heard what everyone was talking about and they just had a whole bunch of bulletin board stuff. That's what it seems like to me. Like they're like, oh, everyone's gonna pick the Celtics for beating the Nets because they stopped KD. And then Giannis is like, that guy's unstoppable. Like, wait till you see what I could do. And yeah. then Drew Holiday is like, oh, yeah. you want to give Marcus Smart? I've made a huge mistake. Defensive player of the year, the only guard since Gary Payton, the glove. 
You think he's better than me? And he just clamps everybody. He clamped everybody that game. So it's like, I'm I'm really excited for this series because I, I literally thought it was going to be the best series out of um out of all of the second round. But I now I think the Bucks, if they keep playing like this, they could take this in five because I don't see how they can match up with them physically. True. Like Drew Holiday. Okay, if Drew Holiday continues to play the way that he does, they're gonna be in serious trouble. And Drew is a tank. Yeah. He gives everybody mm -hmm. problems because he's not only offensively, he's like a great rebounder. He tires you by putting you in the post, but he can defend like guys like Tatum. He can give them trouble. And you can give Tatum different looks with length, with a smaller guy like Holiday, with Portis. I mean, you could throw Giannis on him and man, I think the Celtics are in serious trouble, but we were wrong about the Nets. So, I mean, <laughs> anything's possible, right? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm not right going to pick the one? Celtics to win outright, but <laughs> I just, I think, I think Idoka did too good a job to not assume that he's going to find a way to make some level of adjustments to at least make this a very competitive series. And yeah, I think this team point. that we saw over the last two and a half months isn't just going to fold up after one game. Now, if Smart and I know Jalen had a, a hamstring issue, if if they're severely limited, of course, that changes things. But I, it doesn't sound like their injuries are that severe. So Milwaukee mm -hmm. looks great. I, I do think that they have to be considered the favorite to win the series and possibly the championship at this point. But I just can't think that the Boston team that we've seen the last two and a half months is the same team that came out and just put that performance on. I, I expect a nice bounce back from them tomorrow. Jalen Brown know. was like two for eleven. He was terrible in this game. He was the first. Oh, Jalen Brown, yeah. For like the last... of the game, he hit yeah. a few yeah. shots at the end, but seven when turnovers. When it was well too. out of yeah, seven turnovers. The game was well out of hand when he hit. The, I think the last two threes. Like yeah, that's. I just can't see that happening again. I will eat my words if they, if Jalen Brown goes out next game and goes two or fifteen and Tatum seven for twenty, then it is the defensive scheme. But it just seemed like a perfect storm. So, it was just so impressive that they did this without Middleton. I, I agree. That's yeah, great. that's yeah. actually, I was not expecting that at all. Um, I'm with you on that too, and it, it speaks to just how dominant Giannis is and how well this team plays together. But absolutely, speaking of Giannis, do you guys think? Okay, last question before we move on. But what? I've kind of held back on this answer for maybe a year or two, but. I think Giannis is the best player in the NBA today. Would you agree? Yes, I agree. Completely. I agree. I I was trying, like, before this series started, I was trying to go through, like, maybe the top three players in the Eastern Conference, like, both East and West. I had Giannis at one, Tatum at two, mm -hmm. and Embiid <laughs> at three, which, I mean, this, it sounded good when I did it, right? But <laughs> yeah. what I, what I didn't, what I didn't think about, though, <laughs> What I didn't think about, though, is how far one, like Giannis, is literally separated I think that's from a really Tatum and good way to play it. It is a huge gap between one and two. Like, Giannis is literally unguardable, unstoppable. I think that's a Same great way to put it. I think Tatum, Embiid, and then KD minus the series are all kind of right next to each other. Put them wherever you want, but Giannis is clearly above all of them. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a really good way to describe it. Absolutely. Hey, shout out to Coach Bud. 
subscribing to our channel and listening to us and taking our advice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but we're, I'm going to move on to the next game here. The Miami Heat, okay, take down the 76ers. It was a close game at first, then it got a little out of hand, and Miami Heat actually ended up with the win. Joel Embiid, of course, is out with an orbital fracture. And it's starting to feel like the cards are kind of against Joel Embiid, right? First, it's his finger. It's his thumb where he needs surgery. And now it's his face, right, That that's fractured. Do you guys think that the 76ers team, who had hopes of, of winning a title this year, still has hopes for a title? Or do you think that, man, this Miami Heat team might be the end of the road? Well, first, before we get into the actual game, I know hindsight is 2020, but there oh, absolutely is no reason why Joel Embiid should have been in the game the last series when they were up by what? 29. 29 points. 29 points. Who's who's the coach? Bonafide scrub. Top 15. 15. Coach of all time, Docker. <laughs> Top 15, baby. I knew, I knew who Yo. the coach was. Okay. Not to the game. <laughs> or the series. as I mean, like, the Sixers are in trouble. And, I mean, are we surprised? They're missing their best player. Do you guys think, because I don't, I don't think that the Sixers have any chance actually to win the series. Even if Joel Embiid comes back in three, in game three or four, I think the Heat are too scrappy. They're too well coached by Spolstra. And if they get a 2-0 lead, which is very likely at this point, I don't think they're going to relinquish that. And I think they're going to win the series. Finish him. I think this ends in five games at most. Even, I mean, even if Joel comes back? I think if Joel comes back, it just feels like he's clearly not going to be at 100%. And I I didn't like the Miami matchup for Philly at full strength just because I felt like Miami had the kind of defensive players that they could throw at Philly. Those scrappy guys like John, the words you use were perfect there. And you just look at, like, look at what Bam did with DeAndre Jordan playing some semblance of basketball next to him. 24 points, 12 boards, couple steals, a block. Like, he was unguardable in this game. They had no shot against him. And remember, Kyle Lowry didn't even play in this game. Oh, that's like right. At full strength. That's right. So, wow. yeah, this is even worse than it looked on paper. And <laughs> I'm not a huge plus-minus person all the time, but I did find it very interesting. I'm a big Tyrese Maxey fan. He was minus 25 in this game. As was Tobias Harris. Ironically, Harden was minus eight, which wasn't as bad when you think about them losing by 14. It just feels like there's this is such a bad matchup for Philly overall. And obviously, Embiid being out just exacerbates it. But I think five games max, even if Embiid's back by game three. Hold up. The, this series reminds me of like the new current debates where we discuss top heavy teams versus depth. Do you trade your depth? to get more superstars and the Heat have depth where the Sixers traded all of their assets and their depth for a superstar who is now James Harden and no one is good off the bench no one has been performing good off the bench and it makes matters worse where James Harden who you expect to play at a all-star not even all-star MVP caliber player only scores 16 and has five turnovers. That's inexcusable. And I know people are going to say, well, he didn't have Embiid, but there are no excuses for the playoffs, man. 
You, you know it's funny? Well, not funny, but I just thought about this with James Harden. Not to go too much off tangent, but a lot of people were always asking and questioning, you know, what happened to James Harden? Why is he struggling? Why is he kind of fallen off since last year? And mm-hmm. I think people forget that this is the year that the refs made a conscious effort to eliminate the, you know, jumping into the players or putting their arms up as they're driving. And I think that has really affected James Harden more than anybody. I agree. Um, Only four free throws this game. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think we're ever going to see the James Harden of old because he he literally relied on that kind of stuff, kind of the the unnatural motions to like get foul calls. But I wanted to ask you guys this. I don't even know why the press is even asking Doc Rivers about DeAndre or Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) but they asked him about starting deandre jordan because maybe there's other options out there i don't know but he says that he's going to start no matter what whether you like it or not it's not a tumor do you guys have a take on deandre jordan being in this like i i didn't even know that this was like a thing like i'm trying to look down their list here of who they could possibly start um, or you should Paul Reed, 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 other option. Bill Sapp? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I'm Bill sure Paul Reed. Old, okay. super old. I'm sure Miami likes it that they're still starting DeAndre. <laughs> and I have very fond memories of the guy from Lob City, but yeah, dude, how bad was the big situation among other things? Sorry, John, in LA this year, and they didn't even keep him. That's exactly what I was about to say. Is like the Lakers were so bad this year, and yet they still cut DeAndre Jordan. How bad does that make him? And <laughs> really bad. Scooped him right up and threw him into the starting lineup in this series and got a solid minus 22 in 17 minutes for his yeah. effort. If, you know what? That's crazy. I changed, I changed my pick. I was I was going to say five or six games, but I, you guys reminded me that Doc Rivers is making these the, the coaching decisions. So I'm going to say heat sweep in four. <laughs> Average margin of victory, 12 and a half points. If, if you didn't like, if I didn't like Doc Rivers before, like this is just idiotic. Like why would you show your hands like this? Like it it reminds me, have you guys seen that, um, that article of like Kim Kardashian? She was like playing Texas Hold'em, but the glasses she was wearing, they were like mirrored glasses. So all the <laughs> players could see her hand. <laughs> that's exactly what Doc Rivers is doing here. Like, hey, I'm not going to make any adjustments. That's he, one of the like, best analogies I've ever heard. It's good! <laughs> Classic. But anyway, that's actually all we have for tonight's pod, guys. I want to thank you three for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, my friend. Thank you, everybody. John, thanks for being on. Hey, thank you. Have a good night. Sammy, thanks for being on, man. Thank you for having me as always. Thank you everyone for listening. And shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All MBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All MBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All MBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.